Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. I want to welcome each and every one of you back to the second week of a series entitled Let's Talk Family. Why do we want to talk about family? Because God has something to say about family, and also it's something that you're talking about and praying about and concerned about. The number one area that we receive prayer requests is this area of our lives, and through this series, we want to help you in a practical way in the area of family. I want to welcome those at our McKinney campus, our Hazlitt campus, all of those watching online, maybe someone in the commons in our additional seating or watching this message later. Let's put our hands together and welcome everybody that's joining in with us this weekend for Let's Talk Family. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of James chapter 3. James chapter 3 is where we're going to go in just a moment. We're going to hit a couple passages along the way. But I also want just to pause for a minute to show you some specific impact from Serve Day. And I want to show you just a little bit more to celebrate the powerful things that are happening in real people's lives. Watch this with me. Miss Cheryl, you've been leading small groups at Milestone for over 10 years since 2013. She's been coming to church at Milestone since 2011, but been leading small groups, making sure that people can come uh, and, and experience these series and come and experience spiritual family. Thank you so much for letting us come out. Tell us what we're doing here today. Oh, we're putting in a ramp where the stairs used to be because I've got a lady that couldn't come anymore because she couldn't get up the steps. And she said that if I had a ramp, she might could come in again. And so I asked the church if we could put in a ramp, and they said yes. I'm just so thankful that the church can do that for me. When I walked out to the lobby and saw the love that was just exuding from people, um, I don't know that I have words. It was, it was like, you know, Jesus and himself was here. And I just... I cannot express what that means for my teachers. And for me, there's no words to describe the love that was shared today with us. People are showing up on a Saturday morning to a school that maybe they've never even heard of before. Um, they're buying complete Amazon wish list. They're um, going to the grocery store and loading up their Sam's Club carts full of things that um, are overfilling. Um, they're carrying those in with huge smiles on their faces. and the love coming from them, you can just feel it. Um, it's overwhelming to be on the receiving end. Um, I've watched today so many teachers smile bigger than I've ever seen, even when we opened the school building. I saw God's love in our building, and as the principal of the school, it's something that I could just say thank you for a million times, and it's never enough. Oh my gosh. 
amazing, amazing story there. And if you, if you, as we tell you a little bit more about it, uh, they actually just totally redid their break room and had some couches and places there for the teachers in this Title I school. And we did a lot of things in that area and in that region, all because of your generosity and the power of the local church when it comes together and is equipped. I love that verse. When we're connected together and it grows, and it's not that it just grows, it grows in more love to be expressed to others, and it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. So it's exciting. I just want us, again, one more round of applause for Serve Day and the local church and all of you that are joining in and sharing with us in it. It's week two of Let's Talk Family, and I started last week by laying a foundation to talk to you about how to be more connected and we looked at Genesis 1.27, and if you haven't had a chance to watch that message, I encourage you to go back. Genesis 1 is where we see that God has something to say about family. In fact, you don't get out of the first chapter of the Bible before God says, here's how I designed it. And the reason I started there is that in my experience as a pastor for 30 years working with people, I find that a lot of people in the area of family just sort of venture out and just sort of make it up on their own and, and have a big wedding and, and start having, you know, they have a job and they start having some kids and then they end up in trouble and it's because they haven't consulted God in this area of their lives. If I had one major recommendation to you would be to say, God, what do you think about the family? Because in Genesis 1, God says, he made it this way and he blessed them. And so my question always is not what do I wanna do or not what someone that I know did or not what someone on the internet said, but what does God bless? And if you begin to ask that question, God, what do you bless? How do you want us to do it? What do you want to say to us? And we really ended last week by learning this, that the closer two individuals get to God, the more unified and connected they are together. It's just simple. We're different. And the closer we are to God, the more we have the capacity and capability to come together because that's God's design and that's God's desire. And so this week, I want to talk about what the top presenting challenges for us being connected and growing in more unity and receiving more of God's blessing. I want us to get really practical because the series is entitled, Let's Talk Family. And the truth is how we talk as a family has a lot to do with the culture of our home. In fact, I began to think about it, you know, if I were to think about all the counseling sessions that I've done or experiences I've had in the area of marriage and family and extended family and mother-in-law and sister and daughter and brother, and because we're all part of this, no matter where you're at, I would say that if I had one place that was a common diagnosis, it would be how people talk, you know? I, I don't know what it is that you do at any campus or wherever you're at. I, I don't know what you do, but if, if you get paid a paycheck, you solve some kind of problem. So you're good at something. And what I would also think is if I came and visited you and, and, and during your work day, then you've become an expert at being able to identify issues that you solve. So doctors see 
presenting problems, and after you see enough of those, then you, you say, well, I mean, there's a lot of problems with blood pressure, and, and the number one disease is heart disease, and, and they're like, I'm going to check you for diabetes, and that's a common thing that's coming, and, and you see some leading things, and like, you don't have to have much evidence from the blood work or, or looking at a few things to go, well, well, here's the problem. You know, some of you know how to fix cars, you know? It's like, have you ever seen someone who doesn't know how to fix a car and somebody that does know how to fix a car? If you don't know how to fix a car, you're just like, I don't know what's wrong, you know, and it's just the battery. <laughs> you know, and somebody with some JB Weld and duct tape and WD-40 will show up and just like spray some stuff and do some things and hey, okay, now it knows how you can get it to run. Why? They know how to diagnose the problem. They know how to find what is usually wrong when they see the symptoms. Can I tell you as a pastor now, I don't know how to fix a car and I don't know how to diagnose your heart disease, but I can tell you I have met with hundreds and preached hundreds of messages on marriage and family and dealt with hundreds of families and done a lot of pre-marriage counseling and done a lot of weddings. I've been doing it for a long time and I would say one of the big culprits is how we talk how we speak to one another. Proverbs 18:21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. How, how we talk to one another will influence the fruit that we eat from our family. How we speak, how we communicate, and any marriage counselor, anybody that deals with marriage and family, knows that one of the top issues you go to is the fact that we don't know how to communicate and whatever it is that we're saying is not connecting and it's being misperceived or it's totally out of line or it is totally off. So how we talk can influence the culture of our home, the culture of your marriage, the culture of your relationship with your children, how you speak influences your very life. And so I've seen this, I've had this, we've all had it. I mean, one of the things that I deal with routinely because I have a lot of girls in my house is, is every time we're going somewhere, then I have to be a fashion show judge. <laughs> you know, men and women are different. A man walks by a mirror, he can be like overweight, terrible clothes, Hair, hair growing out his ears, be like, we're looking good today, praise God. <laughs> a woman looks in a mirror, she's just like, man, I don't know. It is, uh, uh, yeah. So this happens all the time. My wife will come out in one dress. What do you think? It's a trap, guys. Because you can't win, you can't win. If I go, oh, it's good, she goes, you don't mean that. You didn't say that with enough passion. You know, I, said, I said it was good but you said it too fast, you know, it's just like, oh, and if you say it's bad, then it's like, nothing I have you like, nothing I wear you like. I can't win, it's good, it's bad. So what you, this is pro tip right here. Here, here it is, pro tip. What, what, do you like it? Lead with a question. Or another move I have is get a quick phone call. Communication is part of our lives. And we have so many ways to communicate now, yet we seem to be so ineffective at our ability to communicate. I was looking at some research on marriage and family, uh, an exhaustive research that's recently been done in the area of marriage and family. 
And this person looking at why it is that marriages break down, why it is that we have so many challenges. And I thought this was interesting. As part of the research, there was a survey done of 600 couples that showed that more than 99% of those couples cared about each other deeply. So, so the, the challenge is not that we don't care about one another. These couples having challenges, it's not that we don't care, it's that we don't know how to communicate. I want to take you to the Bible in the book of James. Now I'm warning you, warning you wherever you're listening to me from or you're listening to this, the book of James, you better buckle your seatbelt. The book of James does not give it soft. The book of James, in fact, was one of the last books to be included in the canon, and there were those a part of the canonization process that were like, I don't know if we should include that one. I mean, in our world today, that, that again, the grace of God is important, but in our world today that wants to make everything okay and, and Jesus loves everything, you don't want to read this one. Because this one right here like, gets in your business, the book of James, and it has something to say about how we talk. James 3, 5 says, likewise the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. A small spark, something being said, can set off a fire in our families. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body, it corrupts the whole body, it sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself set on fire by hell. If you jump on down in chapter 3 as well to verse 14, every time I talk about family, then I always love to talk about this section of scripture, and it's connected to speech, and it's connected to how we talk to one another because this set of passages was a revelatory set of passages. You know, there, there are things that are true, but they're only powerful to you when they become revelation to you. When you're like, I'm taking that one. I'm making that one mine. And Brandy and I, early in our marriage, we took these passages and, and really the, the fear of the Lord. Early on, we looked at these and we would talk about them. And, and I want to read them to you and, and show you how powerful it is. It says, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So when you're thinking about self and you're harboring bitterness towards some other member of the family, you can think you're right, but you're all wrong because your wisdom is not the wisdom of God. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there is, you will find disorder and every evil practice. This is just how I saw it early, Brandy and I. It's like, if we let strife enter into our relationship. And you're like, are you guys the type of people who've never had a disagreement? Absolutely not. In fact, we even early on had to, in moments of, of, of intense disagreement, we had to say, hey, we don't want to open the door to the devil. It's like you have, somebody has to yield. Somebody has to say, we're getting off this train. Because what this says, when you let strife enter in, then what you're doing is actually opening the door to the devil to come into your house. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got enough battles. 
I got my own dumb decisions. I got the fallen world we live in. I've got enough evil and enough challenges than to be inviting the demonic into my home. And I believe as it says here that how we build the culture of our relationships impacts, it says every evil, every evil disorder begins. There's, it's out of God's order, so therefore you're inviting all kinds of things into your life. You're like, well, that scares me. It should, it should. You should be like, I don't wanna go there. So it might get you to get off of that train. I know it has for me. All right, man, okay, honey, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta okay, Paul. Of course it was always her fault. I mean, you know what I'm saying. I had nothing to do with it. But like, time out. Let's close the door. Let's close the door on the devil. It says that it does describe the type of wisdom that comes from heaven. It says this, it's first of all pure, it's peace-loving, it's considerate, it's submissive, it's full of mercy, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. We have a world today where we have more modes of communication but less effectiveness in communication. By the way, let me give you a little tip. Don't handle a tense situation over text or email. In your family, in your relationships, in anything, we today use the convenience of that, but communication requires tone. So I have all kinds of relationships. I have all kinds of problems I deal on a daily basis with. I will not enter into a tense, challenging issue over technology because you can't communicate tone. We live in the world today where we have lots of ways to say a lot of things, but we have the ability for things to be misinterpreted because we're lazy in our ability to give this type of communication that requires more relationship and more tone, and you're like, okay, well, how do I do this? In your marriage, how, how could you change the culture of your marriage? You could just change it really quick by how you talk to each other. You could just change, oh, it would just begin to change the atmosphere, how you talk to your children, how you talk to one another. How you speak will impact the culture of your home. So let's talk about how we change the way we communicate in our families. If I wanna change the culture of my family, I change the way I speak, the first thing you have to do is you have to understand the differences in, in one another. I, I, I didn't get this from someone who named this. I came, it's, it's, a, it's a new title that I put here. I don't even know if it's legitimate, but I like it. Communication personality spectrum. Sounds very powerful. There's a spectrum of people that on either ends of that, the first is the stuffer. They have opinions, but they don't always tell you the opinion. And sometimes you find out their opinion and you don't like what they say. I have a few stuffers on my staff who don't always say it, but they feel it. In fact, one weekend at Easter, I got a new suit. I liked my new suit. It was a little bit flashy, maybe, I don't know. Had a new suit, kind of some new threads. And I found out there was a private text thread among my staff that said, pastor at Easter looks like Charles Barkley. (laughs) 
somebody let me in on the thread of what they were saying about me. I would have preferred they stuffed it more. The big mound of rebound. But anyway, stuffers have a slow boil. They keep score and they take notes. The sad part is that if you don't know how to communicate the stuff you're stuffing, then many times you move into manipulation by passive aggressiveness and you have a passive aggressive tendency. And then what happens is you begin to withdraw. All of us are in one category or the other. Some of you go, well, that's not me. I tell you what I do, you never worry where I stand. I just say it like I feel it. I just, I just let it rip. Well, that's what I'm calling the shouters. I, I've been guilty of this. Saying stupid stuff has probably hurt me more in my relationships and my family than any other thing that I've ever done. Saying the wrong thing, missing it, saying something without thinking about what I was saying. I've hurt my kids, I've hurt my wife, I've had to apologize, I had to say I'm sorry for being quick to talk and slow to listen. On the back of my phone as a coaching technique to myself, I have the word listen, because I talk for a living. So I have to learn more to listen, to understand instead of always trying to be understood. I'm growing, I'm not where I wanna be, but I'm not where I used to be. When Brandy and I first got married, she brought her friend, everyone at every campus, this is the pastor being transparent. She brought her friend that was in her wedding to our house. She came in, we were gonna have dinner. She's carrying a newborn and I asked her, are y'all expecting a child? Let me help you guys. I just saw her and I thought, are y'all gonna have a baby? You know, she still hadn't gotten rid of the baby weight. Come on, lady, this is bad. Y'all are just sitting there stunned. You can't even take it. You're just like, how stupid do you have to be? Well, shout it at me if you want to. I'd prefer you stuff it. I'm gonna tell you right now, I saw a lady the other day, she must have been pregnant with quadruplets. And I didn't say, are you expecting? Let me just tell you that right now. I will not ever say that again. I got it by revelation. Forgive me, ladies. But anyway, my wife pulled me aside. She goes, what are you thinking? I wasn't thinking. I just said it. That's my problem. Shouters, though, it's cold to hot really fast. Argues and escalates in the moment. And if stuffers are passive-aggressive, shouters are just aggressive-aggressive just keeps pressing. You're like, well, what do we do, pastor? Like, how do, how do we start thinking about this? Remember, James said, you got to think about what you're saying because the tongue is a small spark that can cause a great fire. What I would say to stuffers is you have to have the courage to say more when you want to walk away. Because what happens to stuffers is if you keep stuffing it and stuffing it and stuffing it, when you finally say something, it'll come out all wrong because you finally have let it out. You have to learn how to have good conversations and healthy conversations and talk about it. For shouters, you need to take a deep breath, hold your words, and don't be dominated by your feelings. I wanna say again, now we have this. Be, be, if you have to think about what you're gonna say, just remember, don't say it this way either before you've had time to think about what you're saying. We live in a world where people get extra credit for saying stuff that should really never be said, especially by believers. 
by followers of Christ doesn't represent God well. Here's number two, though. You need to realize your words are actually, you eat the fruit of your words, but your words are actually a fruit. They're coming out of the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So many times what we say and how we say it is a result of a process in our lives. There's a seed that starts. A few months ago, I did a series on seeds. Did you know the Bible has a lot to say about seeds? The kingdom in our heart starts as a seed and the seed of the word of God will bear fruit in our lives. But did you know there's a seed and that seed usually starts as a thought? You know, you just don't make me happy anymore. I just don't know. I just don't feel like you are meeting my needs. A thought. A thought then leads to an identity. Because in the world you have today, they'll help you rally an identity around an unbiblical thought. There's enough people that'll agree with you. You deserve to be happy. In fact, you deserve happiness at the highest level. You deserve to be happy. Who cares about what honors God? Who cares about what God blesses? You deserve to be happy. And you know what? I deserve to be happy. And then you'll develop a belief system around that. And you'll begin to reinforce that with your own belief system. It's why we have to let the word of God instruct our beliefs. We have to understand we are not what we feel. We are what God says. So we have to change what we believe and submit it to the truth of God's word. That's what James is reinforcing over and over is to not be someone who's divided in your loyalties, but be fully submitted to the word of God. So you begin to believe, yeah, I deserve to be happy and they're not my soulmate and I missed my soulmate. And then next thing you know is you'll have some experiences and this is so common today. You'll end up with a group of people, the devil will put them there. I've never, I'm still amazed by it as a pastor. The way people believe impacts how they talk, which impacts the people that they attract. You will find, it's amazing, you could live on the four corners of the earth. You could have totally different interests. You could never wanna hang out, but it's amazing, people that start getting unbiblical beliefs, it's like a magnet just will start pulling you together and everybody in your little area at the office, you should dump the loser. You, you, you deserve better. You, you, you just, you know what, it's not worth it. You know, in our culture, we have people that actually celebrate this now and have a big celebration around something that the Bible says, listen, God loves divorcees, he loves people, there's restoration. God, I've seen God even restore people after divorce and there's still hope. And I'm not trying to put some label on you that you're not loved by God and can't be used by God. But let me say to some people who may be trapped here, God hates divorce. You know why he hates it? Any one of us who have been around it or experienced it, it's one of the most painful things you can possibly go through. And it has far reaching impacts. You say, how do we end up there? by how we talk. But how we talk is influenced by a thought, an identity, a belief, an experience that then leads to our words. So most of the time it's the hurts and the pains and the perspectives and I know what she meant by that. I know what he was really saying. I know what their real agenda is. And in our thought life, 
you can build up scenario after scenario that builds a reality that may not, this is why, again, isolation and lack of communication leads to a whole lot of painful things in our lives. I wanna encourage you. If you say, hey, we're, I'm in that pattern, I, you say, what do I do? Well, well, I wanna give you some encouragement. We have a small group experience that can help you. I've seen it restore marriages. I've seen it restore relationships with children. And in fact, I am so bold to say, if you're a part of Milestone Church or you're a guest or you're new and you haven't been through this journey, there is a starting sign-up that's coming May 1st, but it's, it's called Freedom. And I wanna encourage you. And you're like, well, I've been through that. Well, if you're not speaking right, go through it again. If you haven't changed the culture of your home, then sometimes it's like an onion. The first time you do something, you just peel a couple of layers off, but the more God works, he keeps peeling and peeling and peeling and changing the culture. So I just wanna encourage you, there's a step you can take to deal with some of those things that you have a lot of pain and a lot of challenges and struggles in. Here's the final practical thing. You're like, I wanna change the relationship with my child. I wanna change the relationship with my friends. I wanna change the relationship in my marriage. Well, start learning to speak life in your home. So the Bible says that death and life is in the power of the tongue. So, so what is it really saying to us? What is James saying to us? It's a choice. It's a choice that you begin to make. It's a choice you start saying, I wanna say this. And this is really what it means to follow God. It means the Holy Spirit is changing you and prompting you and convicting you and, and saying, you know what, I'm not gonna say that. I'm gonna change how I speak. One of the newest members of our team here at Milestone, they came a part of the team. I asked him, I said, how's it going? He said, I've never been somewhere where everyone on the team speaks so well of one another. It's like, I, that, that was their takeaway. I'm new to the team and like everybody's celebrating one another. Everybody's championing one another. Not that we never have problems or challenges at my house or on our team, but look, there's a proper way to deal with it. But I'm gonna tell you what I have zero tolerance for. Bad attitudes and bad speech. Zero tolerance. In my house or people that are around me. You have to change the way you speak and learning to speak life why do we speak life? You say, do you never have an honest conversation? Is there never a time to really sit down and unfold things? Yes, there is. When the Bible talks about speaking life, doesn't mean that we never know how to handle conflict, but there's an appropriate way to even handle that. There's a right way to have a disagreement. But speaking life means you're speaking what God says. You're like, what does this look like? It, it looks like when we do this with one another, it changes the atmosphere around the environment that we're in. It just cha it'll change your team. Did you know most people leave the teams that they're on because they don't feel like anyone cares about what they're doing? They leave because of managers who've never affirmed what they're doing. You take someone that you work with this week to lunch and say, stuff maybe you've thought, but you've never said. Hey, you know what? You're doing a great job. When I saw you do this, it was awesome. You know what? You're right on track. You know what? God has a plan for you. Just watch them go, whoa, man. Boom, it changes the whole atmosphere. Did you know Milestone 
wouldn't even be here if my wife didn't speak life because I've been transparent about one of the days in the early days of the school when a dog ran in and the air conditioning was bad and I was hot and in a three-piece suit and I went home and the, the thought, the seed, the belief, the identity that I was in sitting on the couch, poor me. I got the worst church in the body of Christ. I mean, we'll never make it. I, I need to quit. I need to start selling cars. I, I just, I, ooh, this is terrible. We are terrible. And this for three hours, this is the worst church that's ever, ever been started. My wife just leaned over the sink there and said, you got to get over this. Speaking different words, it kind of began to, and she's done that multiple times in my life where you need someone around your life to say, look, we're gonna speak this. We're gonna talk about this because it changes the atmosphere. Here's three practical tips. You have to start by seeking to understand the other person. You can't communicate with someone if you're not willing to understand where they're coming from. You're like, well, where they're coming from is wrong. That's your problem. Oh, maybe they are wrong, but understand what fear they have what concern they have, because if you were in their shoes, you might have some of those same concerns. Just always remember, it doesn't even matter if it's true, perception is still reality in someone's life. If they perceive it to be that way, then that's the way it is to them. So your ability to communicate based on understanding where they're at will make you more effective. The next one is recognize that your feelings will lead you astray. Your feelings and emotions will lead you astray. They will. We can't be dominated by the feelings and the emotions and the insecurities and the fears that honestly is so flooded into our lives today. I can't tell you how many times as a pastor I meet people that believe stuff that is so not true, but because they absorb it so much, they believe it's reality. Because words frame reality to people. That's why we need to speak life. And what do we mean by speaking life? We speak God's word and God's perspective in the situation. When you start, this is why you say, well, I don't know what God's perspective is. Well, it'll encourage you to get in his word, to understand his word, find out his perspective, get some verses. You're like, man, I just can't communicate with my teenager. Well, you might need to get some verses of scripture that you start getting in your mind of what God says about them and says about their future. He who began a good work in them. You know what? I saw God work in them. He who began a good work in them, he'll actually complete it. He finishes what he starts. And you start standing on that. And you know, you just begin to communicate. I understand where you're at, but God's not through with you yet. God has a plan for you. You're like, it's falling on deaf ears. No, no, no. It's seed that's getting sown into the soil. It's seed that's going in the soil every time you're speaking it. You're like, well, my husband's not respectful. So you start saying, I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for what you've done. I'm whatever it is you can find, anything to say, you begin to say those things. It'll change the dynamic of your home. You will be amazed by simply how you talk, by how you speak. We're eating the fruit of our speech in our homes. Now, some of you might say, man, we're so far gone. I don't know if God could do anything. And I always know that. So every time I speak on marriage and family, I realize there's people out there going, man, you don't understand. It's in disorder. It's, we're in that place where there's every evil work. And 
wherever you're listening, online, any campus, I always love to show you a picture because I know a lot of these stories. And when I preach, I have hope. I have hope that God's restoring marriages and God's restoring people and the power of the local church as well, not just to do a serve day that blesses the community, but the way we serve one another to influence people's real everyday lives. I want you to watch this story with me and then I'm gonna come back and pray for you. You know, you get married with this dream of perfection and then you don't realize how long you can be disconnected from somebody or, you know, a slow fade that you may see. I became overwhelmed with just how expensive the family was becoming. I took a role that I felt would be a good growth for us. And so that role um, required travel. When you have little children, I mean, they are taking everything out of you. And then he starts traveling. The only way I could survive the um, traveling period was for me to emotionally disconnect from him. Like, he would call, and I wouldn't even answer his calls. I would just be so angry that he was able to be out and having a break from this life, and I never got that break. I felt like I was doing what I needed to for the family. Uh, I didn't feel appreciated. And then I started to become resentful. I built up walls, my heart got hardened, um, you know, and, and it just gave to where I, I, I gave up. Um, I had a lot of masks, and so I gave up in my heart, uh, but externally, no one would know. I didn't feel like I needed to be here anymore. When I was finally able to share all of the, the darkness that was in me about our marriage, um, she was completely blindsided. Um, I also knew that that was probably the end of our marriage. I was like, he's making me a statistic. I can't even believe that this is happening to me. I had sent out a messenger thread to my Bible study girls. My life just exploded. <laughs> I need like hands on me prayer. And you know, I wouldn't ask that if it wasn't real. And I mean, I think in probably 30 minutes time, everybody was there and they're all crying with me, you know? And then they're all kind of talking wisdom to me and then, you know, gets around to one of the gals and she's like, well, have you considered reconciliation? And it was just that little seed at first because I, I didn't necessarily accept it in that moment, but it was wisdom that was spoken into me. The Holy Spirit just met me and said, the best years of your marriage are ahead of you. I had to make a decision. Do I believe you're a miracle worker? Do I believe you're the God of the breakthrough? All the things that we talk about and sing about at church and all of that. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna believe it. I was just in here by myself, doorbell rang. And uh, it was one of my friends uh, from church. Uh, and uh, he said, hey man, we need to talk. And, and he just spoke life over me. We would not be here today without the support of those people and the wisdom that they spoke into our lives. When I thought I was completely alone, I didn't think I deserved any uh, spiritual family. So when someone showed up, uh, that was a big deal. Without spiritual family and the Holy Spirit, my marriage wouldn't have been saved a year ago. The whole space just feels so much more joyful. That spiritual leadership that I always wanted, now it's in our home. It, it's the wife I've always wanted and the relationship I've always wanted. I mean, if he can do it for us, then 
He can do that for any situation. There's no problem or issue that is too great for him. Isn't that amazing, amazing story. I'm gonna ask if you would stand on your feet. McKinney Campus, Hazlitt Campus, online, wherever you're listening from. I'm gonna ask everyone just to bow their heads. And the key truth we're learning today is that our speech influences our homes and our speech is influenced by our heart. And the same way we ended last week is that ultimately it's only God that can change your heart. So I wanna ask you just a simple question. Have you really, have you really submitted yourself to Jesus fully? Not the other person, not the other situation. Jesus, I want you to change my heart. I wanna have that wisdom that comes from above that's pure and seeks peace and has mercy and has all those elements that you're describing, Lord. Those are not natural to me, and that's why I need your supernatural grace and power. Just say to Jesus, I submit my life to you. I surrender to you. I'm, I'm giving myself fully to you. Lord, I pray right now if there's one person or one family or one situation, wherever anyone is listening to me from, Lord, right now, I, I, I pray, Lord, that, that you, because you are a reconciler, you are a restorer, you are the one that can unify us when everything in the world around us is pulling us apart. The most desperate of situations, Lord, you can move in. So, Lord, we ask you to come and to move in our lives. In this very week, Lord, I pray every person, every one of us, Lord, we would think about what we're saying, we'd think about what we're communicating, we'd take the extra steps, and Lord, we would begin to speak the life that comes from your word in these relationships, and Lord, you would change the culture and environments of our homes. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.